and welcome to an organized framework episode of We Only Look Thin. I am Katherine Weigel. I am one of your hosts. I have lost over 100 pounds and have Whoa. kept it off for over five years. Wow. I am a tiny habit certified coach, a yeah. Thrive Global certified coach, Man. and uh, the non-negotiable co-host of this podcast, including Donald Weigel. And I have lost about 100 pounds. Uh, I have uh, kept it off for about five years also and uh i am also one of the non-negotiable hosts of this podcast if you had to do this podcast by yourself what would you talk about uh nerd (laughs) stuff no star wars Wars. (laughs) (laughs) i actually thought about and i don't know if it would uh if there's much of an audience for it but i actually thought about trying to do a a podcast about losing weight for nerds like okay. like specifically geared towards like people who really just want to like sit and read and watch TV and play video games which actually might be everyone but All but the people, but yeah. sort of with a with a like you know nerd stuff sci-fi Side fantasy quest, roll a 20 yeah theme thing i, I know what rolling a 20 a is 20 is a good thing i feel like just me talking into a microphone like i i feel like i kind of need a uh, a co-host plus you do a lot of the work oh. a lot of it oh <laughs> pish posh now if if i did this podcast my by myself i think it would be hard boiled because oh. i'm not super funny when i'm not with you yeah like I think if people please join Wolf because Place. if you're funny and no one's around to hear it, <laughs> does does the joke actually I don't land? Know if you just are a good you know foil for my comedy, but yeah. I think if I was to do it by myself, because I do I do zooms in Molt Place when yeah. we look thin place. Yes, you do, and they're not super funny. I mean, yeah. maybe if maybe that's what pe- is keeping people from joining. Of like, well, it's going to be too funny. I'm going to. I don't need to laugh that much, but I'm pretty serious. I'm like yeah. get down to brass tacks and stuff. So I think it would be a much more uh, hard boiled, tough love, just like my. Listen, parents. you people, be, <laughs> you need to get it together. No, I'm not like that. But I think the the yuck yucks uh, come uh, between you and I. Uh, but the yuck yucks come out at night. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, but yeah, I think if it was me, I'd probably do a coffee corner where I would just talk oh, about yeah. coffee for a few minutes, uh, and uh, maybe talk about some weight loss. But it wouldn't be this combination that we have today. No, it probably wouldn't. Well, obviously, if it was just one of us doing it, then if it was just me doing it, it would just be me. In my living room, talking, because I don't know how to internet. Because you have no idea how to record any of this stuff. I have have stayed uh, purposely ignorant of all of the buttons that Donald presses. So uh, Many buttons. Many buttons. I don't, I'm too busy vacuuming as we learned in the last episode. So uh, so, so Donald, what did we talk about in the last episode? Yeah, we talked mostly about Samuel Jackson starring in The Negotiator and we talked about our wedding anniversary. Yeah, Pierre Sedgwick, Hoovering. Oh, Hoovering and vacuuming. Um, But the the real gist of the episode was about self-negotiation and we found an article um, that was written by Nicole Boaz, which, you know, whose name I'm sure I'm butchering, uh, but it's called Stop Negotiating with Yourself, Changing Your Habits Once and for All. And 
the the gist of it is about how to recognize that you are lying to yourself or that you're talking yourself into doing things that you don't, you know, that your bigger goals that are a detriment to your larger goals, the goals that you say you want to achieve. Um, and so last episode, we talked about what is self-negotiating, the difference between an excuse and a reason and identifying your own self-negotiation tactics. And we asked you last week to try and be an observer of your own life and, you know, be an observer of the of your own scripts that you keep saying over and over again. What are the self-negotiation tactics that you're using? What are the negotiation tactics of people around you? And really start to be aware of when you are trying to talk yourself into something and using an excuse instead of an actual reason. Exactly. You know, the more I think about it, the more I think this sounds like Fight Club. Like, you're your own worst enemy, but you don't even know it. Yeah. Uh, so... So watch out your spoilers for Fight Club. Oh no, I think it's been a couple of years. Yeah, no, I think you can you can say that uh, that they were the same guy. No, but I think we a lot of times we don't want to take responsibility for our own choices, and by uh, externalizing them as Brad Pitt's fault. Yeah, uh, that we can all of us, each and every one, uh, go through. I know life. this because Tyler Durden knows this, it, but I am Tyler what? Durden. Yeah, exactly. But really, when we blame outside circumstances and we use that negotiation, we convince ourselves that we're right. And we're right about everything. And I'm right. I just can't lose weight because it's out of my hands. But we want you, just as we have, to take responsibility for your choices. Let go of that negotiation. And in this episode, we're going to uh, move forward and give you some new new thoughts and ideas. Huh? Yeah, it's it's so easy to talk ourselves into things, especially spur of the moment. So uh, we are going to start uh, talking about about how to start building your habits into non-negotiable systems, taking the negotiation out of the process and creating plans and backup plans, which are all important parts of this process. Yep, and again, we have talked about things like this in many different ways over the years. So this is just a new way of saying it. Uh, and also getting outside opinions and uh, articles that we haven't written saying what we say is very justifying to us. Yeah, when it when people, uh, uh, some might call it confirmation bias. <laughs> <laughs> However, we call it other experts experts in the field agreeing with what we say. Um, so uh, let's uh, dive into building habits into non-negotiable systems. So the author of the article, Nicole, insert last name here because I uh, can't pronounce it properly. Why can't you find any articles by people with the name Smith? Yeah, I don't know. Sally, Do better. Sally Smith. The next Shh. article I find is going to be written by sure. uh, Sally Smith. Uh, the author says uh, the first step is to figure out what is and what isn't productive. What is moving the needle forward for you and what isn't? What is holding your back? And then write down what goals or habits you want to achieve uh, or, or the habits that you want to form. And this could be things like reading a specific number of books, running a number of miles, meeting a physical milestone, getting into a school, landing a new job, meeting a number of connections, getting in the habit of daily exercise, eating better, watching TV, changing your sleep schedule, etc. And that's a lot. So we have uh, have done a lot of talking about BJ Fogg and Tiny Habits and um, uh, James Clear and Atomic Habits, and both of them are fans of saying to make your goals very specific. So instead of eating healthier, 
you could make the goal, I want to incorporate vegetables into my diet, you know, three times a week. Like maybe you're eating, you know, pretty much no vegetables right now. Or or maybe you are and you want to go from three times a week to five. Make it a very specific goal that that you can that you can achieve. And the author says, then try to stick to only two to three major goals or habits at a time. And you know, I would say, and I think Catherine would agree with me, that maybe even two to three is too many. Maybe it's better to just start with one. And there's a there's an example in the in the BJ Fogg book, Tiny Habits, where he talks about like breaking the habit down into its tiniest, you know, portion, like floss one tooth might be the habit, like the starting habit where you begin. And I think it's okay to start that small. And and then the author gives an example that she wants to read 21 books in 90 days. That's a, that's a lot of books. <laughs> and I can tell you that if I needed to read 21 books in 90 days, I would have to like hide in a room and do nothing but read for 90 days straight. Right. Monster energy drink. Yeah, exactly. There is no chance I will do that. But, you know, her example is you take the larger goal and you figure out, okay, if 90 days, if each book I need to read is about 300 pages, um, then that breaks it down to about 50 pages a day. So if you have some sort of a finite goal, looking at the at the end total and then breaking it down into how long you want to go to achieve it um, can be a way to set up how much of of whatever activity it is that you need to do every day. Well, and I think, you know, to to translate that again too, I think we're used to an end goal being something like I want to save a thousand dollars for that trip or I need to read this book by the end of the month. Right. And breaking that into specific units really helps you set that expectation when there is a deadline. But so much of what we do, and there are finite things that we work toward, whether it's an education or the deadline to a project, but when the project is us, a lot of times it's more nebulous than that. It's not, you know, like my goal in life is to eat 3,000 pounds of vegetables. Right. Okay, well, I can just jam that all in in the next year and it'll be done. We want to cultivate lifestyles that include vegetables or, in, you know, cultivate lifestyles where we build in those habits of non-negotiation. And sometimes it's harder to distinguish when it isn't, you know, a, a prize at the end, but it's an actual lifestyle that we are working toward. And I think that the majority of our health and fitness goals are going to be these more nebulous um, uh, goals that don't have, you know, that don't involve counting or a specific number, but a couple that that might actually um, would be, you know, you might say to yourself, I want to start walking 5,000 steps a day, or I want to start walking 25,000 steps a week. And then you can take that number and you can break it down. Well, if I'm going to walk 5,000 steps in a day, then I should probably walk, you know, about 2,500 by lunch yeah. and then 2,500 by the end of the day. Okay, so how am I going to do that? Well, let's break that down by the hour. Like, how many do I need to get each hour? And if I don't get that in one hour, then, you know, do I have to double it the next hour? Or like, you know, how am I going to work that into my life where I'm getting that, you know, 750 an hour or, or however that breaks down? I didn't do the math before starting this example. Or something like, you know, I want, I'm going to start getting at least seven hours of sleep at night. 
Well, you can break it down to, well, if I know I have to get up at 5 a.m., then that means I know that I have to be lights out by 10 p.m. in order to get seven hours of sleep. And if it usually takes me a half an hour to fall asleep, then maybe I need to, you know, make that lights out at 930 so that I can get really get that true seven hours. There are goals like that that you can actually break down and do it the way the author says, but many, many more that you can't. Right. And to that, to that point too, there's if I plan on hitting 1,800 calories today, right. that means I should save 400 for dinner, 400 for lunch, et cetera. So there are discrete units that we can look at. But in those ones where we're looking for lifestyle changes, the tiny habits method might work more effectively. Both are valid, but again, just in in my experience as a tiny habit certified coach. Tiny habit certified coach right here. Right folks. here. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take over on the tiny habits method uh, to start us out. So uh, one major part of tiny habits that I love is something called the swarm of behaviors. Again, it's sort of a mind map. It's a list of potential options, whatever you call it. But if you could, you know, just sort of starting out, if you could wave a magic wand and get yourself to do any behavior that would lead to your end goal, what would it be? And this is like, you can go from the craziest, you know, most outlandish, expensive thing to very simple things. But the point being to sort of get your brain in the mindset of let's think out of the box, let's let go of all our preconceived notions and just start brainstorming things that we want to do. So then we can look at our list and sort it by what we could actually get ourselves to do right now. So for example, if I want to start jogging, in my life. Yeah. I, I don't. So maybe I should do something. What do I want to do with yeah, my Yeah, but you might write down on the list, well, if I start running five miles a day, that would really move the needle towards my fitness goals. But can you actually get right. yourself to like right now start running five miles a day? Like if you're, if you, if you don't run at all, like maybe, maybe you want to, you know, start running five miles a day. Maybe you make it like, I want to try and run one block or something. I want to jog for half a block and just see how that goes before I I jump to five miles. Well, there's a big spectrum between, you know what, I heard once that a guy just ran a marathon and he'd never run before. Yeah. You know, there's a big spectrum between that and, oh gosh, I just literally ran to my neighbor's trash can, you know, a quarter of a, you know, 10 feet away or something like that. And you're already out of breath. Right. So starting where you are and seeing what you can actually get yourself to do actually does matter. And then working that into your daily routine. I know that the author said, you know, work on just a few habits at once, but you might have a habit that is about your physical body, whether it's a daily stretching practice or walking or some sort of fitness, or, and you might also have one that is more of a mindset habit or a food habit, again, with the eating some vegetables. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to have a salad every day. I'm not making some big promise about home-cooked meals. But you know what? I could start with baby carrots and then graduate to salad and then graduate to to more uh, vegetables in my life. But really starting where you are. Yeah, this isn't exactly the topic for this episode. You know, we're talking about, you know, taking self-negotiation out of your processes. But also when you're making this list of habits, don't set yourself up for failure you know if the if you're like i could go to the gym for two hours a day seven days a week 
you know, life is going to happen. And, and that goal is virtually impossible for anybody. So, so rather than saying something like that, say, well, I would like to consistently be somebody who goes to a gym, or I would like to be someone who consistently hits a step goal and, and start there rather than, than, you know, making it, uh, you know, well, if I miss one day, then, then I've broken my streak and I may as well right. give up and quit, like all of those things. Well, and I think too, that, that when you make really big goals that are difficult to achieve, you're almost setting yourself up for failure because there yeah. might not be a way that you can consistently control that circumstance. And again, it gets into that all or nothing. Well, if I can't do the whole thing, then I'll do nothing. But part of, part of the thing about not negotiating is becoming the kind of person who finds solutions for setbacks rather than making those excuses. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things, you know, it's, it's not enough – uh, and I think that this is something that I tripped up with in the past was using a habit tracker to just say, okay, I'm going to have a salad every single day for a month, or I'm going to go to the gym every day for a month. Having some sort of streak in mind isn't actually working on building in that habit into the course of your day. Yeah. It's great to make a promise to yourself, but a promise actually is not great to make a promise to yourself. Um, it's better to actually plan something into your day. So how can you take something that you are already doing and work in what you want to do. So the author refers to it as coupling. You take, uh, you attach a new habit to an old habit. Uh, Gretchen Rubin calls it piggybacking your habit, where you take one thing that you're already doing. Very good friend of the show, and, Gretchen Rubin. And she liked as many as one of my posts. One of your posts, which basically <laughs> makes her our biggest fan. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also it is referred to as habit stacking. So you're taking one thing that you already do and add it to that. We've talked about that before where if I already have room in my schedule where I'm making coffee and it makes sense for me to do lunges or squats while the coffee is brewing, then that's a great place to fit it into my day. It is not necessarily, uh, you know, I wouldn't be doing burpees or or anything like that, maybe, you know, at the pet store, which, you know, that may be not be practical. If you just say, well, I'm going to do it at one o'clock every day, but you find yourself in an elevator, then maybe that's not the place to do it. So working it into your routine really does matter. I'm going to call my next band Burpees at the Pet Store because <laughs> I think that's a great name. <laughs> so finding that sort of like I was talking about, finding that anchor moment when I'm, you know, after I press start on the coffee maker when I sit down on the couch, that is when I will pre-track my, uh, my calories for the day. After I put on my shoes, I will grab the dog leash and go for a walk. Taking moments that you already experience during your day helps you build in those habits because then you have a moment where you go like, oh yeah, when I hit start, that's when I X. You wouldn't say like, well, I'm going to get in the shower and do burpees because that that might be dangerous and you need a spotter. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Well, just, you know, an example from my life, one of the things I, I wanted to add, um, you know, doing a plank into my day. And I started off by saying, well, when I'm rebounding in the morning, which was a habit I was already doing, rebounder is a little tiny trampoline that we use um, indoors so we can uh, kind of watch TV while we're while we're exercising. And um, I would say when I step off of the the rebounder, then I will do my plank. Um, so that was where I started. And then I realized I didn't like doing it in that order. So I changed it to right before I get on my rebounder in the morning, then I do it. So, you know, 
you'll have to play with these systems as as you go but um but starting with with that thing that you're already doing uh is is a great place to start so that you constantly remind yourself like it almost becomes like you know you've heard of pavlov's dogs like when pavlov rings a bell then they get their food and so then they would get they would get hungry when they just heard the sound of the bell it's a sort of like you become pavlov's human and yeah. uh, and train yourself to do these things when you you see this other prompt right and another uh area that Gretchen Rubin talks about and the article speaks of as well is taking advantage of inherent change, or we've often called them clean slates. When you start a new semester of school or a new job or leave an old job or change shifts or move houses or your kids go off to school, using those big moments as like, okay, this is a clean slate for me. This is what I'm going to start doing. It gives you a context for a new change. Uh, we've talked about it before. Uh, author David Sedaris stopped uh, smoking when he moved to Japan, I think it was, uh, because it was he. It was such a clean slate for him that he just you know, had that as his stop point. So we're not suggesting that you move to new countries. Yeah, move to Japan before you start a new habit. That is is the message you should take away from this. No, but when we enter a new season, it can be hard to remember that like context is new now. We don't have the same, you know, things aren't in the same place. Our habits aren't established yet. So a new location can be an opportunity to uh, design new habits for yourself. Absolutely. And I think this is a good time to interject um, a thought about mindset, which comes from the the article by Nicole uh, Buaz. Buoz. Um, I'm just going to keep butchering her name until, uh, until we're through this. Um, she talks about how Research indicates over and over again that behavior change leads to attitude change. So in other words, one of the reasons you've been struggling to change your habits is simply because you aren't behaving in line with your goal. And a good example of that is if you want to be a yogi, you have to do yoga. If you want to be a writer, you have to write the habits and goals happen in the action, not the thinking. Ooh, so, wait, say that again. <laughs> the habits and goals happen in the action, not in the thinking. Boom. So, if you want to be a fit person, you need to do the things that a fit person does right. in order to get thinking there. about it doesn't make it so. So as we move further into removing the self-negotiation from the process, remember that we are removing the thoughts that prevent you from taking action. So when you're talking yourself out of doing things, we want to take that out of the process. The actions themselves, the things that will get you, like, trust me, if Catherine and I can be, if you knew us before, if Catherine and I are can become people who lose 100 pounds and, and maintain this weight, then you can too. These actions are completely doable. And if we can do it, you 100% can do it too. Okay, so where do we go from here? We want to start taking negotiation out of the process. So the first step from this is to identify what really trips you up. Really think about the kind of things that throw you off your game. So for me, I learned about myself through this process that unplanned treats really threw me off my game. Like when I wasn't planning to have something and one of these opportunities came up to eat an unplanned treat, like, you know, we talked about before, um, somebody brings in a birthday cake to the office, it's their birthday, somebody brings in homemade cookies. If I would be like, oh, just one won't hurt. 
that just one almost never became that just one because then I would have that treat and then I would get yeah. this idea in my head, boy, that was really good. Like I could just have one more and just one more. Blown the day. And like, well, yeah, you know, I'm not sticking to the goal today, so I may as well just eat as much. And another thing for me is sugar in the morning. So a lot of those, you know, typical breakfast foods like cereal and, and pancakes and waffles and things like that, I can't eat sugar in the morning. Well, I choose, I have a policy, I don't eat sugar in the morning because when I do, it it tends to make me want to keep eating sugar throughout the day. Um, and the author gives an example of, you know, you stay on an exercise routine until you take a trip and then you can't get back on. So, you know, you're doing this exercise routine and then you go on a business trip or you go on a vacation and and you get off of your routine. So the, the author suggests you you plan an exercise plan around your trip too. something simple like you do 15 minutes in your room in the morning. Um, so for me, like when I go on a trip or I go out of town, I still try and hit a step goal like every day, even if it's smaller than the step goal I usually hit. And James Clear talks about setting a minimum. Like if you do 30 minutes of yoga, like if that's your thing that you're normally doing, when a trip or something disrupts your routine, just try doing like a one minute stretch instead, because that keeps your habit going. Like, you know, even if it's just one yoga position in this particular case, then you're still continuing the habit as you go on your trip, as you're, even if your, you know, routine, your full routine gets disrupted. And, you know, this is, uh, I'm taking out of the Catherine Weigel uh, book of advice. An- another part of this is to actively think of it as a pause. Yep. And it really does make a difference when you're saying to yourself that you're pausing a particular activity or part of your, your health and fitness plan, that you will then restart it at a certain date when you actually like ahead of time go, well, I'm going to pause it while I'm on this three-day business trip or this five-day business trip, and then I'm going to get, you know, it's going to restart at the end of it. That makes a world of difference in in pausing and starting these things over again. There are so many opportunities available to you, and pausing is a really great one. So the author also talks about having a backup plan because things happen, and that is okay. When we live in a fictional vacuum, uh, or Hoover, as the kids call it. Uh, <laughs> a fictional vacuum, yes. A, a fictional vacuum. A fictional Hoover. So if we go into this super rigid with an exact plan that if it's not followed, then obviously this just is never going to work for us. It's going to let us down. So the author says that she prefers to work out at 11 a.m., but sometimes calls or meetings come up. Can you relate, dear listener? <laughs> um, her backup plan is 3 p.m. She She's rarely busy at both times, but if she can't do one, she can do the other. Your fallback plan eliminates any possible self-negotiation because you've already decided when it's going to happen. So it might not be the same day for you, but it might be, you know what, if I can't get to the gym today, I'll definitely go tomorrow. Or if I can't get, into, get to the gym today, I'll do a little home workout. And that is something that I do is if I don't do my morning ideal workout, I'll do evening stretches while we're watching TV typically Survivor, because I enjoy Survivor. Absolutely. I enjoy Survivor as well. Exactly. So 
I used to negotiate with myself into eating fast food or high calorie snacks like, oh, no, you know, that went bad or I forgot to bring lunch or blah, but I plan meals and keep lucky frozen meals on hand, too. So they are not emergency because that, you know, that sounds like you've got to have a hurricane. So I love calling them lucky meals because, oh, what good luck. I don't need to go to the candy vending machine. I actually have something as a backup that I can have right now. So we are old enough, I think, each of us right now, no matter your age, to know that things come up. And having a backup plan just makes sense for everything in our lives. Just like we have a spare tire, we also have uh, extra good luck backups. And I would do I would do this thing where I would intentionally set myself up to have to negotiate with myself into eating an indulgent fast food lunch where I would I would, you know, I would go out to run errands and I would do it and I wouldn't have a plan for what I was going to do for food and suddenly it would be after lunchtime and I would be so hungry and I'd be like well I really don't have a choice except to eat this fast food so I'm just going to do that so I in the moment was you know lying to myself negotiating with myself into eating the fast food lunch when really it was just that I didn't have a plan yet to begin with to get going And another step in this process that the author suggests is to start practicing ignoring external urgency. This is other people trying to get you to do something right now that causes you to self-negotiate away from your goals. Like, do you want to go, you know, your boss comes in and says, do you want to go eat at High Calorie Highway? I'll treat. Um, and we all know how much you love High Calorie Highway. Um, it, in the moment, it can really feel like you have to. And even if you if you feel obligated that you have to go, there are other opportunities to eat treats. So one thing to practice is that this isn't the last opportunity you will have to eat your favorite thing at High Calorie Highway. And if you know it's going to really throw you off and disrupt the schedule that you've put yourself on, you can get the steamed vegetable platter at High Calorie Highway, which I hear is delightful, um, and not have the 3,000 calorie surprise, which might be the thing that you really want, but you will have an opportunity to have that again at some future date if this, if you know this isn't the time. Well, and two, just because you're going out to lunch doesn't mean that, you know, you'll never get a chance, like Donald said, to eat the high calorie thing. But the purpose of going out to lunch maybe is not the food, but rather, you know, the extra connection you get with your boss and checking in on statuses of things. And you can get Something that might not be, uh, you know, the most delicious, the meh. I'm good with meh. You know, I'll just get a salad. It's fine. I, if I'm still hungry, I've got my lucky meal in the in the freezer. I can do that. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. So just like it takes a lot of practice to become an expert at, you know, at playing a particular musical instrument, you really need to practice ignoring the external urgency that's being thrown upon you. That, that oh my goodness, like that's a, a deal I just can't pass up on because yeah, I don't know when it'll come along. There will be other deals. There will be other treats. There will be other opportunities to eat out. Like you don't have to, to succumb to every single external, like it has to happen right now urge that comes to you. Exactly. So, and the last one that we're going to cover today is 
as we've said before, having policies in place. The author calls them rules. We call them standards or policies of just that whole root of not negotiating with yourself is like, no, this is my policy. This is what I do. And you don't even enter that conversation with yourself. So the author says uh, one of her policies is if it's on the calendar, it is part of the plan and I am doing it. Making it part of your schedule to meal prep or to go for a walk, block out your calendar at lunch, prioritize going to a fitness class on a Saturday morning. You prioritize your kids, you know, away lacrosse team or whatever they do. But <laughs> but we often think that our healthy habits are negotiable. Put it on the calendar. You know, when my band burpees at the pet store fails and breaks up, um, uh, I'm going to start a new band called Away Lacrosse Team. <laughs> away Lacrosse Team. Yeah. I like it. I like it. So uh, another one she has, her policy is only to work on two or three things at a time. Really, for us, we try to do one new habit at a time. Uh, in our lives. But really having a thing where you're like, one of the policies is I don't flip flop plans midday. Yeah. Like if I really see something new and shiny, I give it a week to see if I'm really that excited about it in a week because it will still be there. But those lightning bolt moments can really distract us from sticking with what we are already doing. And finally, the author says, leave time for self-care. Now, this is a weird one because, again, sometimes we can misinterpret Netflix and Ben and Jerry's yeah, for self-care. for sure. So you've got to be careful with that. But um, she notes it as, this is time outside of my goal, actions, and responsibilities where I take care of my physical, emotional, and mental well-being. However, be careful not to use it and as an excuse for not getting on track. So again, sometimes we have to go back to our lowering our standards, setting our minimums for what we can accomplish in a day, but really taking that time to, you know what, I do my best when I practice self-care by going on a short morning walk and getting some fresh air like and stepping away. That yeah. is a bit of self-care for me. And really, if we don't prioritize stepping back, no one's going to do it for us. And I really think of my hitting my step goal and and prepping my meals and um, you know, staying on my plan as self-care. Yeah. I mean, it really has become self-care for me because I know how much better I feel when I consistently do all of those things, how much more energy I have, how much more I'm able to, you know, easily walk upstairs and and carry lots of groceries at, at a time when it comes up. And really, it, it makes me feel better throughout you know, many parts of my life. And so it has become self-care in my mind, and it really is self-care. And trying to adjust my mindset towards that has been a, a real, you know, eye-opening um, adjustment to me in keeping this going. Well, and I think for me too, so much of my negotiation or self-negotiation came from feeling like, I didn't deserve time for myself. I'm so busy at work, I can't take five minutes. I'm so busy at home, I can't take five minutes. Everywhere, I was busy, 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 and I thought running myself into the ground would somehow not make me hungry. Yeah. But what it did was just make me resentful and see I'll never lose weight and everybody has it easier than me. But the more time I have taken to set boundaries with myself around the food that I eat, the policies that I make for myself, the time that I take each day, I can take five minutes. Like there are 168 hours in a week. Yeah. I can take five minutes. I'm not 
that I, like I'm not a traffic control, you know, an air traffic control person who can't step away for right. I can step away for five minutes, and so I do. And the more that I do that consistently, the more space I make for myself and my needs, and the less I negotiate with myself. And like we have said before, if we can do that, if we can set some policies and some guidelines for ourselves, if we can stop that justifying and the oh this just this one time and the you know I deserve it, if we can limit those and flex those muscles of self-responsibility, I promise you change is possible. And it really does matter in this health journey. Yes, it does. And very well said. And thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, next week, we are going to continue. Finish uh, it up. Ram finish it, it up on of uh, about self-negotiation. We are going to do a deeper dive into setting specific policies around your goals and rewriting your self-negotiation with your new policies that you have set and bring it all home. Yep, so bring pen and paper and pencil, whatever you use. Absolutely, and you can find that episode wherever you found this episode, and you can find all of our episodes on all the major podcast platforms wherever you found this, and you can listen at any time on our website at weonlylookthin.com. Yep, and if you are at weonlylookthin.com, click on that link for join our support group. Oh yeah, do that. And find out more about Walt Place. We Only Look Thin Place is a Facebook-based accountability group for women. We are not a weight loss plan, but we are a place for Zoom meetings, accountability, uh, recipe ideas, and honestly, uh, candid talk about the ups and downs and struggles and successes on weight loss journeys. We have two subscription options, a monthly option with a three-day complimentary trial and a seven-day complimentary trial with a three-month subscription. So uh, check it out and find the one that's right for you. Absolutely. And you know, and one of the, the, the best benefits, which you didn't mention, is you hold these regular Zoom meetings and people get direct access to you. Yeah. And, and you do these wonderful presentations with, uh, you know, with slides and and PDFs and uh, <laughs> I, I, charts, <laughs> charts and graphs and uh, bullet points. Um, and I think they're you know they're really fantastic. And uh, I'm grateful that I have access to to all of that. Thank and uh, if you join Old Place, you will have access as well. Thank you uh, again for listening to this episode. I don't know if I uh, actually said that uh, earlier, um, but if you uh, would like to interact with us in other ways, you can also find us on uh, social media. You can find us at We Only Look Thin on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, and you can email us if that is more your speed. Uh, we uh, like getting episode suggestions. We've turned many listener emails into episodes of the show. Uh, we enjoy compliments, obviously, uh, and we will answer your questions. And if you would like to do that, you can write to us at weonlylookthin at gmail.com. And finally, if you could head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a rating and a review, not only does it let us know that what we're doing is making a difference in your life, but it also helps others find our podcast when they are looking for inspirational podcasts like ours. Yes, and finally, finally. Oh, finally, finally. <laughs> I know, I said finally, and I was like, oh, no. 
Even more finally, um, if you could just tell somebody about he the show. He finally. I was she finally. Oh, yeah. She finally and he finally. Um, we would be grateful if you would just tell somebody about the show. Word of mouth is one of the best ways in which the show grows. If you're uh, if you're in person with somebody on a telephone, uh, if people still use their phones for talking to one another, um, uh, or uh, if you're in like a Discord server or a Reddit group or a Facebook group and uh, you feel like it's appropriate, we would really appreciate a shout out that that is really one of the most effective ways yeah. for us that that we get new listeners is from listeners like you telling other people about the show and we are grateful yep so if you really love our health and fitness advice but you're even more excited to see our new band burpees at the pet store burpees live store. just remember that Catherine and i are an, an inspiration, inspiration. Aren't you guys playing Coachella? The information that you hear on this podcast is for informational purposes only. The hosts are not medical professionals. You should always consult with your doctor, nurse, or other certified health professional before beginning any diet or fitness program.